The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Third down and six from the 17 yard line. Vandenberg looking for the fade, looking for McNutt. He's got it for the touchdown. Marvin McNutt. Abusing the defensive backfield for the Warhawks right now. An excellent job in this fade route, perfectly thrown by Vandenberg in the box. Creates a lot of space to the sideline, shields him off with his body, catches it on his outside shoulder where the defender has no chance. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have our Reporter's Notebook segment in this podcast featuring Brent Balbinat, who analyzes the Hawkeyes through their first four games, previews Iowa's upcoming game against the Penn State Nittany Lions, and offers his thoughts on the Big Ten. You'll also hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Penn State's Joe Paterno. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our three weekly programs this year, which include regulars Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. Excellent. The Iowa-ULM game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, with announcers Kevin Kugler and Danan Hughes. A nice job calling this contest. We very much appreciate it and thank them. First down and goal, Coker to the goal line and a touchdown! The ball popped out and it was recovered in the end zone for the touchdown. Coker broke the plane before it came out and it's six more for the Hawkeyes. And James Ferentz, the man who started with the ball in his hands, the center, covered it up just in case there was any concern. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook for all your investment needs. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard! 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet! Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. Ferentz was asked about the differences between Penn State's two quarterbacks. They've both done some good things, so it's, it's I don't know if there's any, it's night and day or anything really significant. We're going to, they're both a little bit different maybe, but clearly it's close enough where, you know, they've chosen to play both guys and, you know, we got to prepare for both, but it's not like there's, you know, it's a night and day contrast. I don't think they change their approach, you know, real dramatically. Kirk talks about Penn State's receivers, including star wideout 
about Derek Moy. The whole group is really talented. They've got a lot of uh, size, speed. It's really an impressive group of guys. You know, so they're really good. Moy's Moy's really good, and he's got you know he's six five guy, which makes it another challenge just on top of it. So he, he's a good player. They they really stand out as a group. Ferentz talks about Nittany Lions starting running back Silas Red. He caught our eye last year uh, coming in for Royster. And I think I don't know if Royster wasn't the top back product productivity wise on Penn State history. I know he's up near the top. Uh, and then when you know, Red came in the game, he'd catch your eye. Just uh, he's really you know quick and a little different different style. So you know one, one thing there are a lot of constants when you play Penn State facing a good running back. It's usually one of them, and this you know continues. Coach Ferentz discusses his program success over the years versus Penn State. Good fortune's part of it, and then um, you know we've we've played well in those games. Yeah, I've been following their program probably since the late '60s, and uh, you know, a couple constants. You know, you're always going to play a good team. It's well coached, and whether it's home or away, it's going to be a tough game. So you better play your best. Typically, Penn State teams don't beat themselves. It's been that way 40 plus years. You know, so you, you better be ready to play your best, and that's that's going to be the challenge for us this week. See if we can get there. Kirk was asked what statistics he focuses on regarding the running game. Uh, yeah, a couple things come to mind. Yards per carry for, for a, a player is good. You know, I think it's a good indicator. Team-wise, you know, not always because, you know, you take a knee or, you know, you're running the clock out or things like that. You get into the end of the game situations. But, for, for you know, for a back in general terms, I'd say that. And for a team, the amount of carries you have in a game, you know, if, uh, you know, I mean, if you have negative yardage rushing, which we've done that, you know, that's a loss. And if you have, you know, 12, 15 carries in a game, you're probably losing, you know, if you're us at least. So probably made your way behind right off the bat. And you know, we've been in those situations too. That's not much fun. Ference says this is by far the best defense the Hawkeyes have faced this year. I don't think there's any question about that. That's another constant, you know, when you play them. Two, two things that jump out at you right away, they're kind of obvious, but, you know, they've got four seniors in their back end. Every guy's back. Every guy's played a lot of football and played good football. And then, uh, you know, we've had the luxury of having a pretty stout defensive line the last two years, you know, three NFL players in that group that, you know, uh, are playing right now. So uh, if you look at Penn State, to me, that's those are the theories that jump out defensively. They've got a front and they've got depth in that front, you know, good size athleticism. They play well and uh, they've got a lot of depth and, uh and then the veteran players in the back end, they're giving up 12 points a game as a result of it. And that, that's not new. I mean, it's you know, just kind of rotation. You know, a couple of years ago, they had really outstanding linebackers. Now they're in a little bit of a transition there, the younger guys. But, uh, you know, and they lost a very good player uh, to an injury, one of their linebackers. But, you know, at the end of the day, they always put a good defense together. That's, like I said, it's been since the late 60s. It just continues. And Ferentz assesses his team's improvement over the first five weeks. Particularly, I think, you know, we, we've played probably good five good quarters of football. But that, that's what we said coming in this season. This was going to be a big five-week block for us, just like camp was. And now, now the real trick is, you know, we're moving into the conference play. These games count for an awful lot. And uh, it's going to be a whole new level of um, intensity out there. So, you know, how are we going to meet that and how are we going to handle it? We haven't, we've only played one road game. Didn't handle that that uh, situation too well. So there's a lot of challenges out there for us. And, you know, we'll continue to learn about the team as we go along. But it's, uh, I, I think we're progressing. I think the attitude's good. And, you know, this, this will be a heck of a challenge for us though. Next, we hear from Penn State's venerable head coach, Joe Paterno. Paterno talks about his quarterback competition and rotation, which many believe has now turned into a full-blown controversy for the Nittany Lions. The two kids are fighting the beast. Uh, to be the, the, the leaders of a football team, and they're both practicing hard, working hard. 
they're young, they're competitive, and I think sometimes we forget they're they're not they're not thirty year old men who are professionals, and that uh, and even one of them has has only had one spring practice with us. He's only you know he came in here as a true freshman and had to, had to play without any spring practice, and I thought did a good job. The other kid was a walk-on. And I think sometimes there's been a little bit of a, uh, I mean, an unappreciation of the fact that both those kids have really gone to work and tried to, to be as good as they could and have done a good job. And maybe the situation, because I have not felt comfortable in designating one uh, as the as the guy, that that, uh, that that something's come out of it that shouldn't come out of it because the quarterbacking's been been okay. That's not been our problem. We've been doing a pretty good job, and and uh, sure we can always do better. Everybody can always do better, but uh, I think overall uh, we've got to you know we we have not done some things that you got to do in a tough ball game. Uh, the one like Alabama, and now as you see how good Alabama is, and realize that if we catch the ball a little better and we had a little better officiating and a couple other things, that that would have been a good tough football game. Paterno was asked about the inconsistent performance of his offensive line and the possibility more younger players will be called on. Well, I think some of the younger kids are getting closer, but they're not as good as the guys that we're, we're playing. I think the guys we're playing and need just to, uh, there again, maybe. A little bit more uh, confidence in himself. A little, just get a little bit more success. Sometimes we've had some. We've had a couple of really big league drives in in tough situations, and the offensive line has done well. And then somebody, you know, we fumble on a three yard line. Uh, we throw an interception going in for something. Something happens here. Uh, we get a holding penalty. Uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been kind of tough on 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 those kids, and they because you know nobody even knows who blocks who, uh, except if if somebody comes free, well the offensive line didn't do this, do that. But I think uh, there again, I think that we we'll be making progress. Um, and they came out yesterday. A lot of little, a lot of enthusiasm. Felt good about the football game we played last Saturday, and I felt good about it. Because I thought we did some things we had to do, even though we obviously got to get better. <laughs> I'm not going to get up here and tell you I'm satisfied, but I think we got to get better. But I do a lot of good things, and the offensive line, some some parts of the game, played very well. Paterno responds to concerns that his team may be too amped versus Iowa, with the motivation of trying to get revenge against the Hawks and break the long losing streak. Well, you know, as a as a football coach, you got to worry about everything. I wish I worry. But I try to watch and see and try to make sure we stay focused as to what we have to do. Unaware, I mean, I mean, aware of the fact that Iowa's had has given us a couple good lickings, and they've been close ball games. They beat us one year out there after uh, a pass interference call. They beat us on a field goal the last play of the ball game. A couple of years ago, they blocked a kick here at midfield, and they weren't even trying to block it, and we fell asleep. They blocked the punt and ran it in for score and beat us. Yeah, I, I, we have, but you got to give the other guy credit. 
uh, I think our kids, uh, you know, we're in the middle of trying to do something uh, special, and I think that Iowa is the next step. And even though they may have some uh, thoughts about, uh, hey, we, I was beaten us that many times. We ought to, we we got to beat them and show them we're pretty good. I don't know. I've never approached it that way. Yesterday we talked about the positive things, talked about the being back home, talked about the the fact that we, uh, you know, we're still four and one. And that uh, let's keep let's just keep getting better. And uh, I was, and that's what, and that's about that's about all we talked about. I did not talk specifically about the fact that I was beaten us what six or seven times in the last seven or eight times on the thing. And that's uh, maybe that'll come up later in the week. And Paterno discusses Penn State's struggles in the red zone so far this season. Well, I, I you know I think we just got to execute better. Obviously, I think we. I look at, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, maybe you don't think I do, or we don't, but we, you know, we try to examine why we have not done well in anything, whether it's third and one, whether it's a red zone, whether it's on a goal, whether defensively, why we try to look at every single thing over and over again, and I'm very critical, and thank God I got the staff we have. We got a great staff, because, you know, my physical condition, bang, getting banged around, a little bit. I was all set. This had a great spring, great summer, preseason until the 157-pounder put me on the bench. <laughs> but, yeah, we look at the red. But the red zone, we've done some things. Kid fumbles. Red fumbles the ball in the three yard. We do, you know, somebody else could, gets a penalty. With it. And it's the dumb things. It's maybe careless things. I don't know. I think the play calling's been good. In most of the case, one thing, there's a one or two plays that we've talked about we shouldn't have done that and maybe this and that but I think overall we just have to understand that sometimes that's the way things go and if we just keep pecking away and pay attention to details and we don't stop ourselves we'll be fine we've tried to approach it that way I hope it'll work but I really don't have any reason we're unsuccessful in the red zone is one two three four no I, I really couldn't tell you that I think you know we you guys see the same thing I see. See us, you know, we're coming back against Alabama. We throw the ball over the middle. The kid catches the ball who's got good hands, gets hit, puts the ball on the ground. We lose it. You know, we fumble. What do you guys see it? They're, they're all, you know, we get holding penalties, all that kind of stuff. But uh, we're working on it. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. When Iowa travels to Happy Valley this weekend, it will be the 24th meeting between the two schools. The Hawks lead the all-time series by a narrow 12-11 margin, have won three straight, and eight of the last nine against Joe Paterno's team. Iowa has also been victorious in five of the last six meetings at Penn State. The Hawkeyes have a 3-1 record after their non-conference slate and a bye week, while Penn State stands at 4-1, coming off last Saturday's 16-10 win at Indiana, and with the only 
loss coming at the hands of Alabama. Kirk Ferentz is in his 16th year as a head coach, 13th at Iowa. He's 7-3 overall versus Paterno. Joe Paul is in his 46th year as the Nittany Lions head coach, and the Iowa game will be his 701st as a member of the Penn State staff since joining it in 1950. He's the winningest Division I head football coach ever with an overall record of 405 wins against 136 losses and three ties, and he is 11-11 against the Hawkeyes. This game also marks the 10th time in the last 13 seasons that Iowa begins Big Ten play on the road under Ferentz. The Hawks are 5-7 in conference openers under Kirk and are 3-6 when opening on the road. One other interesting fact, Iowa has opened conference play against Penn State on four occasions, winning all four of those games. Our reporter's notebook this week features Brent Balbinat. You can hear Brent weekly on Hawkeye's Mike, including his press box report, and you can listen to him weekdays on KGYM AM 1600 Cedar Rapids and KGYMRadio.com from 4 to 7 p.m. Brent previews Iowa's Big Ten opener at Penn State. He takes a look at the Big Ten, and he also gives his assessment of the team's progress through the non-conference schedule. Brent, before we get into previewing Penn State, can you talk a bit about where you think Iowa is right now through the non-conference season? Well, let's be honest. After the monsoon game, Tennessee Tech to open up the season, it was tough to really get a gauge. That game just didn't really show a whole lot, obviously with the hour and a half, nearly two-hour stoppage due to the lightning. Great win, but at the same time, you were still kind of thinking, okay, what did we really learn? Iowa State uh, learned a lot more. Obviously learned that you need a healthy Jordan Bernstein on the field probably more than anything defensively, but they still had some uh, wrinkles to iron out. They did that. Uh, it took them a little longer than anticipated in the pit game, but at the same time, uh, one of the same necessities, the mother of invention, we found out exactly what James Vandenberg can do when unleashed in that no-huddle offense and when you go with an extra wide receiver. Likewise, we saw Tanner Miller, I think, grow up a lot at strong safety. And of course, on the heels of that, Louisiana Monroe, they were starting to put it together. I think this is a team that is moving in the right direction. How surprised were you to see the commitment from the coaching staff, apparently, to continue with the hurry-up offense? Uh, you know, it's a situation where this coaching staff has a philosophy, and by and large, it's been successful. And that's predominantly been 60-40, run to pass, chew up the clock, and wear defenses down. At the same time, they're not stupid, and they're not going to try and fit a square peg through a round hole. Pitt, out of necessity again, showed what this offense can do when you've got a gunslinger of a quarterback, a good offensive line, and in my opinion, what will be eventually three NFL wide receivers, you go ahead and coach what you got, to use an old Pat Riley term. I don't know that we're going to see it all the time, but it certainly is. It's more than just a wrinkle now. It is an effective piece of the offense that opposing coaches are going to have to game plan for. It was pretty interesting to hear the Penn State press conference, one of the reports refer to Iowa as another no-huddle offense. So, And we finally saw some backup running backs in the game. Yeah, and at this point, you know, Coker is still the man. 
Coker's the most experienced. Coker is, uh, you know, his average, I think, is still upwards of uh, over five yards per carry. I'd have to double-check that. And he also can read defenses. Kanzari, I think we're going to see a little bit more of. I still think we're going to see some more Jason White. But at the same time, I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot of them uh, this Saturday. That's a tough place to play, and it certainly would be basically like throwing one of those youngsters uh, into the fire pit. Uh, as long as Coker stays healthy, as long as they don't have to, I think you're going to see a healthy dose of Coker this weekend. Turning to Penn State, they seem to have a, a pretty sound defense again this year, but some problems on offense and a, almost a full-blown quarterback controversy. Uh, they do have a quarterback controversy, and right now, at least for the time being, both gentlemen have kept their mouths shut. Uh, Bolden was really a malcontent uh, at the end of last year and through the offseason, talking openly about transferring. He's gotten his opportunity, and he hasn't really produced. And for that matter, McGloin sits as, uh, what I believe it's number 10 in the Big Ten as far as, as passing yards at just 125 per game. Silas Red is averaging about 90 yards per contest. That's not bad, but at the same time, he's going to have to be durable. Uh, they just simply haven't shown a whole lot of big play capability, much less grinded out capability, and if Iowa basically plays the type of defenses they have over the past couple of weeks, I see Saturday being a, a big frustration for Joe Bond Company. Well, they've had problems on the offensive line too, and, and I suppose the quarterback problems obviously contribute to their passing game issues, but they've got a pretty solid and very tall wideout in Derek Moy. Well, he's been it as far as the wideouts are concerned. Over 50% of McGloin's completions and yardage so far this season have been to Moy. If you can even keep him in check, that's not to say you're going to stop him because he's just a freakish athlete, but there really isn't anybody else. He hasn't checked down to anybody. He's locked in on Moy, and again, depending on what type of coverage, but probably even more specifically what type of pressure that defensive line for Iowa can bring. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's going to win you a ball game by himself. Uh, it's just an offense right now that seems to be in search of itself. And in terms of that whole offensive scheme for Penn State, this will be the first team that Iowa's played this year where the defense, the Iowa defense, won't be looking at some hurry-up, spread, unusual offensive sets. Well, Penn State, I mean, stats can be deceiving. Uh, a lot of people are going to look at last weekend 16-10 to 10 win over Indiana and go, what happened? 464 total yards of offense. They did have a turnover. Their penalties were minimal, but one cost them a touchdown. But the stat I look at that really tells the story, and that's how you put points on the board, or if you put points on the board in Penn State's case, Penn State got into the Hoosier red zone five times last weekend. They scored on three of them, but not a single touchdown, all field goals. Again, this is an offense that doesn't have, at least from what we've seen, the true big play capability. But if that's the case, when the field shortens, they still aren't punching it in. Uh, again, Iowa doesn't need to reinvent itself. Iowa, in my opinion, doesn't need to do anything extremely different. They just need to play the type of ball that they have over the past two weeks, and I think things will take care of themselves. Penn State's defense ranked pretty highly in some key categories nationally. How do you think they're going to match up against Iowa's offense? It depends on who's on the field for them. Uh, I know they lost Michael Motti, their linebacker, out for the season with a knee injury. The team tried to absorb that. They had a, a backup that saw a lot of time take over for him last season, but uh, Danton Lynn right now, at least from all the, uh, the releases that I'm seeing, his status is still questionable and if he doesn't play, he really is a key as far as their secondary is concerned. In an offense where you know Iowa's going to try and stretch the field a little bit, that will be big. So right now, uh, I'd 
say still flip a coin until we get some definitive answers as to who's actually going to be in uniform on Saturday for Penn State. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, regardless of those injuries, it's obvious that this is the best defense the Hawks have faced this year. At this point, yes. Um, they, they shot themselves in the foot in the Iowa State game. Um, likewise, early in the Pitt game. Again, you've got two throwback styles of offense and defense here. You know, Iowa, to a large degree, invites... Uh, a good portion of its own challenge. When you set up with a fullback and you know that you're going to be running in between the tackles on an ISO left or an ISO right, basically what you're telling the the opposition is, here comes, you go ahead and try and stop us. Penn State is built for that. I will be very curious to see if Iowa gets maybe a little bit more pass happy, not to say that they go crazy, but again, 60-40, maybe in the opposite way, if you can stretch, especially those linebackers and coverage underneath, because I think they're thin there, then I think you're going to see a more effective Iowa running game throughout the rest of the contest. Taking a quick look at the Big Ten right now, it's only through the first week, but we saw some pretty interesting developments last week, including Wisconsin's just complete domination of Nebraska. Again, I part of me would say I was surprised, but a larger part of me would also tell you I was not surprised. It, look, you had the conference's number one rushing attack in Nebraska going up against the conference's number one rushing defense in Wisconsin. And basically what happened was they they neutralized each other. So then what happens? you got to go to plan B. Taylor Martinez was not comfortable dropping back in the pocket. I thought Coach Pelini, somewhat surprisingly early in the second half, abandoned the run game. And with Wisconsin's corners, that defense is salty, but it's also very cagey, very experienced. And when they would come up tight but then drop back, Martinez couldn't make a good pre-snap read. He was inaccurate to begin with, which is troublesome enough. But Wisconsin baited him into making some very bad throws. And Nebraska, to be honest with you, I don't think handled the, the pressure or the spotlight very well. Wisconsin is clearly the class of the Big Ten right now. Right, and you have to wonder if maybe Nebraska is a bit overrated. Possibly, but I also know this. A very overrated Ohio State team is going to Lincoln this weekend, and I think that not only is Nebraska going to win, but I don't think it's going to be close. Last line I saw, I think they were 11-point favorites. I think they cover that. And so what happens? To a certain degree, fool's gold. Nebraska's going to be thinking high on themselves again. It won't matter that they beat an Ohio State team that wasn't your dad's Buckeye squad. It's that they're beating a name. I believe that they're probably going to, to straighten up Marine Rod straight and feel a little bit better about themselves. Who wouldn't after a win against Ohio State, but at the same time, I, I don't see them being dominant like everybody thought they would prior to them joining the Big Ten. Yeah, it's interesting that the Ohio State, who would ever think of an Ohio State team being ranked near the bottom nationally in offensive statistics and last in the Big Ten? Well, that's exactly what they've got uh, against a, a Michigan State squad that brought a ton of pressure. Their offensive line was a sieve. They blew up virtually every play in the second half before it even had a chance to develop. When you switch from Braxton Miller, a freshman who had zero experience, to Joe Bowserman and then back and forth, it didn't matter who they had back there. Neither guy had time to set up. Neither guy had time to throw. And uh, right now, they're searching for a lot more than just quarterback at Ohio State. And what's your sense of the Illinois-Northwestern game? It's pretty exciting, especially towards the finish. Is Illinois for real? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I think they've got the makings of it. 
but at the same time, everybody said, oh, Dan Purse is back. It's going to be a big win for Northwestern. It's the first game that the guys played all season long. He was rusty, and of course he got hurt in that ball game and had to sit. All of that said, Illinois still needed a late-game comeback at home to win. I think the pieces of the puzzle are in place for Illinois. But again, you take a look at their struggles earlier in the season against Western Michigan and against a Northwestern team that I don't think athlete for athlete matched up that well with them. I'm not sure. I would say still the, the verdict's out on it. And Michigan seems to be racking up about as much offense as it wants to, but playing pretty good defense at this point, too. Well, they could only go up from, and I, again, I, I'm not in the, I am not personally in the uh, the business of, of slamming coaches or, or critiquing guys that basically will have forgotten more about football than I will ever know. But uh, a three-five-five. I don't know what Coach Robinson was thinking up there. It clearly didn't work. They've got a good guy in now, a guy that not only has college but obviously some pro experience, Coach Madison. And uh, again, solid defense. But at the same time, they've relied on their offense to put up some big points. Uh, the Notre Dame game required a huge comeback. Granted, I know that was early. They did take care of a San Diego State team, in my opinion, that was overrated. Um, right now, I'd say the question mark is on the offensive side of the football at Michigan. You can say, yep, Denard Robinson's got glossy stats, but his wide receivers have done a great job of bailing him out on some very poorly thrown balls so far through the early part of the season. And uh, back to Wisconsin just a second. What was your impression of Russell? Russell uh, Wilson. He's he's the type of athlete, a quarterback, that they just simply have never had there. I can see why Brett Bielma was salivating over him. The guy is, he's just a freak athlete. He can beat you with his feet. He can beat you with his arm. But more importantly, he beats you with his head. He's just got an incredibly high football IQ. To, to basically come in and within, what, two months, be a unanimous vote by your teammates to be a captain says a lot about the young man's character and leadership abilities and how much they respect Yeah, very impressive performance and clearly outplayed Martinez that night at least. Last, uh, your prediction for the Iowa-Penn State game. Uh, I think this is going to be a battle of attrition to a certain degree, but at the same time, I think Iowa wears Penn State down. I do think they go to the air a little bit more. I think this weekend you see Iowa pass to set up the run. Hardly ever ever during Coach Ferentz's tenure here, but I believe that's the way this offense is wired. Uh, I haven't seen the line, I believe, as I'm looking over at a couple sheets here. It's Penn State by four. I would, no way. I believe Iowa walks out of Happy Valley with, uh, what, nine out of their last ten meetings with another victory, and I think they do it by uh, double digits. That is good news. That is good news! From the 23, Martin Manley in motion. First down for the Hawks. Vandenberg under pressure, airing it out. Open is Davis. Keenan Davis for a touchdown. Problems for Rob Lewis in coverage, and Keenan Davis could have fair caught that touchdown. Exactly. They're creating mismatches outside the big body. Good adjustment. Not a good, well-thrown ball by Vandenberg, but in a place where only his man can make the play, Davis leaves him in the dust for the score.
just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams from across the country. Just click on the video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Daily Iowan. And listen to Brent Balbinat on Hawkeyes Mike and on the Balbinat and Brommel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. The way I figure, there's really not too much future with a sawed-off run like you. Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights this week, and thanks to our own Brent Balbinat. We hope you have enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really, a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.